everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Pyle Coley, and I'm joined today by my co-hosts, Dr. Suzanne Barron and Dr. Hari Naidu. And today, we're talking about a really tough topic for many, infertility. You know, life in medicine costs us so much. Never do we realize that to become physicians, we could one day have to pay the price of our fertility. We're not told that at the beginning of our journey. No one raises awareness of the fertility issues that physicians might encounter at the end of their training. We're just told to put one foot in front of the other, and we keep doing that, thinking that we're heading towards this perfect life. And only when we get to the end do we realize the price that we've paid. As doctors, we take care of patients all our lives. And yet, when it comes to our own health issues, we often struggle silently. So today, we wanted to lift that veil and really discuss some of these issues. Now, as you may know, training for doctors in the United States takes about 10 to 20 years, depending on the specialty. And this includes undergrad, then medical school, residencies, then fellowships, maybe even sub-fellowships. So on average, female physicians will complete their medical training at age 31, and for some specialties like cardiology, much, much later. And the age when most female physicians first give birth is 32. Now compare that to age 27, which is what it is for non-physicians. Now, female physicians tend to delay pregnancy after residency, so of course, they're going to be more susceptible to fertility issues. In fact, the data tells us that nearly one in four female physicians who try to have a baby are diagnosed with infertility, and that's double the rate of the general population. So with that context in mind, I want you to listen to our stories. Suzanne, I'm going to start with you. Tell us about your struggles with infertility. Talk about your journey and what you've learned. Well, you know, I think this is one of those topics that we don't talk about enough. And to be honest, you know, it's it's always been something I've been a little bit reluctant to talk about because, you know, as a female interventional cardiologist, I know that a lot of women are concerned about going into the field because they're worried about, you know, family planning and being pregnant in the cath lab or finding the, the way to actually make it work. And so I always have been a little bit reluctant to talk about this because I don't want to discourage any women from going into interventional cardiology. We really need more women in interventional cardiology, and this shouldn't be a deterrent. But I also want to, you know, be open about what can happen and what the, you know, struggles can be, um, because I think that's important too. So, um, yeah, I uh, I'm married, um, and my husband and I wanted uh, children. Um, we uh, tried for four, five years doing all of the, uh, you know, naturally, and then uh, doing all of the medical stuff that you can do, IVF, um, for a long period of time. And um, it didn't work. Uh, we we got a couple of embryos. Um, we were able to implant them, and I ended up miscarrying. Um, and after that, uh, you know, we had a lot of talks about, you know, should we keep going? Should we consider adoption? What's the next step? And you know, what we decided was right for us was to pivot uh, in our life. Um, and so we we are now, uh, you know, not trying to have kids or not trying to adopt. We are uh, just the two of us and a dog and, you know, committed to being really great godparents uh, to my two godchildren who are amazing and, you know, living a life that looks a little bit different than what I thought it was going to look like when I was growing up. 
I think it's a tough thing because we don't talk about this all that often. We don't talk about um, miscarriage. We don't talk about uh, infertility treatments and, you know, how difficult that can be to kind of balance while you're also having a busy medical career. Um, you know, I was figuring out how to, you know, sneak away during, you know, clinic to get myself shots. I was, you know, figuring how I could put ultrasounds in, you know, early mornings before I started my first case. It's a lot. Um, and it's particularly difficult when you go through all of that and there isn't that prize at the end. Um, when you don't get the the miracle baby or the rainbow baby at the end, um, which is what we always hear about um, in, the, in, you know, in the magazines and the celebrities, you know, that it always ends up with a baby at the end and it, it doesn't always. And that can be, that can be difficult and a little bit tough to swallow. You know, whether or not this was related to my medical career, it's hard to say, you know, I, I didn't, you know, my husband and I didn't get married until I was 35. Uh, so I was already kind of in a more advanced age which in of itself will make it difficult, but certainly, you know, you do wonder is the, is the stress, does that contribute um, to making it a little bit more difficult to be pregnant and to carry a pregnancy? And, and the answer is, is I don't really know. Um, but I know that for me, it didn't happen. And that's something that, you know, most days I'm okay with, but there are definitely days where I'm sad. It's something that I've missed out on and, you know, I wish things were different. Suzanne, I want to thank you for sharing your story because I think what you've done is incredibly courageous. And it's something to the point you made earlier that we really, really need to, especially in the medical profession, try to normalize these conversations around infertility, try to start having them earlier, try to make them part of the medical training curriculum rather than, you know, letting women, like you said, having to sneak away from the cath lab to give themselves injections. It should be something that the system sort of really does help to support. But I have a, a you know a few specific questions for you. First, did you ever see this coming? You know, as a physician, as a provider, we all obviously know what the challenges are. We know about advanced maternal age. We know what happens as we get older in terms of our ability to get pregnant and have children. And yet somehow we never make the connection that it could apply to us. So was this a surprise? Did it catch you off guard? You know, or, or was it something that you sort of expected because you got married later? No, I, I, I mean, I feel really naive to say this, but I honestly didn't think it was going to be an issue. Well, we, we see, you know, obviously lots of women get pregnant after the age of 35. They get pregnant naturally. They get pregnant with um, assistance. You know, it happens. And those are the stories you hear about. So I, you know, I certainly was prepared for it to be a, a journey. I didn't necessarily expect that it was going to be, you know, easy land van. Thank you, ma'am. Got it all done. Um, but I definitely didn't expect it to be uh, unsuccessful ultimately at the end um, or to be as difficult as it was. And it is certainly something that I do recommend to women going into medicine to at least think about uh, family planning. I don't think that means that you can't do what you want to do in medicine. I think you can. I just think this needs to be something that's in the thought process. You know, for me, I got married a little bit later. I didn't find, you know, I didn't find the right guy uh, until a little bit later. And I would not, you know what, I found him now and I would not change that for the world, you know. So that really was a lot of why I delayed things. But I certainly do encourage folks who are thinking about um having women who are thinking about having a, a baby to to focus on, you know, how does this fit in with your plans? I think one of the problems uh, what you're bringing up, Suzanne, is, is that we all feel that, um, you know, you, you can you can wait or that you'll have it all 
happen, but the time frame that you that we all put on what uh, how much time you'll have to make that happen. So, for example, if it's thirty five or thirty six, you only have a few years to try to make it happen. Whereas if people start earlier, there's more of a lead time. So I think there's this problem in medicine where we have all these things we want to do, but then we defer some of them, and then if you defer them too long, then we're scrunching up the time to do it, and then it there's uh, way too much pressure at that point. I think you're absolutely right about that. I mean, when I when we my husband and I decided to stop fertility treatments, you know, I had just turned 41. Um, we had been doing things from age, you know, I just I we started like I said I got married at 35. We started right away, and when we made the decision to stop, I just turned 41, and it was kind of one of these things of. We know it's harder to have a child after the age of 35, it's harder to have a child after the age of 40, and you know whether or not we were going to be successful and what that kind of toll is going to be. So you're right, the timeline becomes very scrunched. Suzanne, I want to ask you about the emotions. You alluded to this a little bit where you know you didn't have that miracle baby at the end of your journey. And for female physicians, especially the ones I think that are used to always accomplishing, achieving, getting the outcome that they desire, of course, the disappointment is there, but I also think there are emotions like, you know, shame, regret. So talk to me a little bit about the emotional journey that you had, because you guys have, you know, you, you've really had the, the classic journey where you've had to change the way that you thought about how your family looks as a result of, you know, your experiences. So so talk, talk, talk to me about what you felt inside in your heart. Look, it was incredibly difficult to let go of what you think your life is going to look like. Um, you know, I always grew up thinking that there would be kiddos in the picture too, to be exact. I didn't want a huge family, but I wanted to have two kids. And, uh, you know, it's really, it's disappointing to to have to shift to that. I think the other thing is, is we're all, you know, a lot of us in medicine are type A personalities. And I am certainly one of those people that I'm like, if I just work super hard, then I will get there. I will get to that to that final destination. And this is one of those things that you can try super hard and do all the things right, and you might not get that prize at the end. And I think the other hard thing about it is you sometimes have to, you know, when do you make the decision to stop? I certainly could have continued to do IVF. We, you know, IVF is is available for for women over the age of forty, and it does work. And you know, there is always that if I just do one more round, will this will this be the will this be the you know the the the, the, the golden egg that I'll find and everything will work out. But really having to, you know, kind of listen to my body and my mind and my husband, um, you know, as we kind of discuss, discuss together, you know, what's the right thing for us. I think I've, one of the things I've been really happy to find is that there is actually a community, um, both of, of female doctors who have gone through this, um, as well as male doctors, um, you know, supporting uh, their families going through infertility as well as a whole, you know, kind of community um, out there about being childless, not by choice. Um, and that actually has really helped um, to be, you know, to kind of see that this is something that happens and everybody has a different story. Um, and some people's stories end with the child, some people's stories uh, don't, but, you know, it, everybody kind of has their own story and being able to share that and find those communities has actually been, I think, a really lovely thing. Well, I want to thank you for sharing that journey because you're really what you've done is empowered women and men and couples struggling with infertility to, you know, speak up, reach out and help to find solutions. Uh, Hari, I'm curious about your take, uh, you know, the male perspective on infertility. Obviously, you don't have to deal with the issue of, you know, the decreasing egg reserve as you get older. 
but certainly there are you know, issues to deal with as a man whose wife might be struggling with infertility or in general, how your career in medicine has impacted your family. Yeah, I think you know it's interesting to hear the story, and I think it's a big topic. That I'm, so I'm glad we're doing this because I think these types of topics are not uh, talked about, and it is important. Um, I think as a man, we tend to even wait longer or not even think about it. It's not in our precognition to think about fertility or to think about even family planning and, and when you want to have kids. I just think it's a big blind spot for many men. And then we go through life, uh, we go through our career, career becomes very important, and we we assume we're going to find the right person and eventually have a family, but we don't really know where that's going to happen or when that's going to happen. My story is that, um, you know, like all of, like both of you, I went through my career, I was in residency, I met my, at that time, my future wife, and uh, we ended up getting uh, married at 29. But one of the things uh, that in retrospect was a big decision was that um, I decided to, we both met at Cornell, but I decided to leave Cornell and go to Penn for fellowship. So I went there for four years. But if you think about it, that means that if we're going to keep this relationship going, uh, that means we're not going to have a baby for four years, right? So um, I didn't think of it in those terms. I just thought about it in terms of career, but I, and I can come back every weekend or every other weekend. We can see each other. And we did that. And that takes care of the relationship part, but really didn't have any discussion about when we're going to have kids. And I think men don't think about it. And it's not appropriate for us to do that in retrospect because we don't have this biological clock and women do. And so unless it's, unless it's like spoken about um, directly, it, it won't be something that we have a wake-up moment that we have to think about. So um, after that, I was 32, came back to uh, New York, and we finally lived together, obviously. And um, and then it's the beginning of a career, and she's a pretty ambitious plastic surgeon. I'm a pretty ambitious cardiologist, and we set about, um, she started a prior practice, I started academics, and we helped each other out uh, moving our career forward, and we focused on that. So now that's 33, 34, then around 35, we start deciding we want to uh, start um, trying to have a family, right? So it's the same story as, as Suzanne, but now with 35. And then we went uh, a year or so because, you know, as I mentioned, we're trying to crunch all this up. And a year is a long time to wait at that point because you've waited already to 35. And so now you want to have a kid really, really quickly. And so even though it doesn't meet the definition of, of infertility, we started having, um, we started going to uh, to see if there's any, any problems. And so we went through the testing. And I think I remember as a man thinking, um, oh, I guess it could be a male problem or a woman problem. I mean, I didn't really think about this, but there could be a problem with one or both of us or neither of us. And so we went through the testing and, and there was no problem. So they just said, it's probably stress and just like, keep going. Let's give it some more time before you do anything else. And lo and behold, I think about six months after that, we were very lucky to, to uh, get pregnant. I remember when that moment happened, I was actually on an advisory board in San Francisco and my wife uh, you know, texted me uh, the picture uh, the conversion to pregnancy uh, on the year of pregnancy test. And so we were very excited. I wasn't there with her. I came back the next day and and uh, now we have a son and it's all it's all great. Obviously, we got divorced, but uh, but we had that part of our life. So from our, from the man's perspective, I think it, it's this delay. It's this uh, issue where it could be our problem too. Uh, it's certainly a, a problem for both people. So infertility is a, is a couple problem. It's not a, a, a woman problem or a man problem or, or it could be both. But I think it was a scare that me, I may not have uh, any children. And uh, I, I suppose I would have done the same thing as Suzanne if, uh, if we couldn't have kids. But, uh, you know, in retrospect, obviously, I'm very happy and it's the best thing in my life. You know, it's so interesting that you say that because I, I often think about 
my life, uh, your journey, Suzanne's journey. And I say, you know, we had had children earlier, like in our 20s, like most of the rest of the population does. Might that have affected our decision of which specialty we end up going into? You know, we're all cardiologists, obviously, which is such a demanding, intensive specialty in terms of actual physical time uh, because people have heart emergencies and it's the number one killer. But in medical school, let's say we had had children, might that have pushed us towards a different type of a specialty or maybe even a life as a physician outside of, of the hospital, outside of clinical practice. And so that, you know, that's a really interesting topic to think about. And I also want you both to opine on, you know, whether or not if you had to do it all over again, you would have done something different. For me, I know that, you know, when we were in our 20s, Suzanne, egg freezing was not something people did regularly, it was not a discussion, it was not a conversation or an option. And so it almost, you know, it wasn't even something that was in the forefront of our mind. And yet, if if I was in my 20s now, certainly that is something I might have thought about just as a proactive way to sort of pause that biological clock. But tell me what you guys think. Do you think if you had had kids earlier, you would have not been cardiologists today? becomes like the sliding door thing, right? Like if you walked through this door, is this what would have happened versus if you walked through the other door, you know, into the alternate universe? Well, and it's funny because in sliding doors, in one in one situation, she ends up dead. And in the other one, she's like so oh. successful, you know? Gwyneth that went dark. that movie. <laughs> yeah, it was just really interesting because I feel like you're exactly right. Like those small decisions we make early in our life, they change the trajectory completely. They do. You know, I think for me, you know, and I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And maybe it isn't where I you know, how I thought things were going to look, but it's where I'm supposed to be. I really, you know, I really love being an interventional cardiologist, you know, whether or not I, I'm glad nobody had to put to me, you have a choice between having a child or being an interventional cardiologist. And thankfully that usually that choice isn't, isn't put to folks um, because that would be a really difficult thing for, for me to have to, you know, you know, make, make, make a decision on, especially, you know, where I am now. So I, I'm happy with where I am. It's not what I thought it was going to be, but you know, I'm very lucky to have a, a really supportive husband. And we, you know, like I said, our lives, our life has pivoted a bit, and we focus on on different things. And there's still a lot of joy and and a lot of love. You know, I want to be honest. I'm not going to say that there aren't times that I get sad. That you know, and on Christmases, and I think about, oh, we could have had a little kid. You know, opening up Christmas presents. Like, wouldn't that be so cool? you know, or, you know, graduations from kindergartens when I see, you know, my friends, you know, go on to these things. It's, yeah, I, I don't want to pretend that that's not, that, 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 that those things don't, you know, make me sad, but I also am happy to kind of focus on the future and things that I can, you know, really focus on now. And one of those things is, you know, being open about this and encouraging women in medicine to, you know, explore what they want from a uh, fertility standpoint a little bit earlier, if possible. So I actually am a big believer in freezing eggs. Is if you can do it, may not be the worst idea. Um, consider that, talk about it, think about it, but also, you know, make sure that you do pursue your career dreams as well. We, I don't want, I really, really want to say, don't want this to uh, discourage women from going into interventional cardiology because that is something that I think is really important as well um, for our career. But one of the things that happens that when you have kids is that um, you change your outlook on life a little bit. I mean, and I think not in a bad way, meaning I think if I had kids earlier, 
I think my work-life balance would have been swayed a little bit more towards being home or towards having a uh, a job that allow me to really partake in all of the things that all the joy of having a kid it's seeing their games seeing their sporting seeing them growing up all the firsts quote-unquote that happen I think it's kind of a chicken out of the egg kind of thing like if you have them you may your outlook may change and you may not even you may choose something that um, you're still passionate about but but grant, grants you that and I think sometimes in medicine we're very judgy about people who choose proactively based on those things but I think you know, everybody has to find their path in, in terms of what they value and I think at least speaking as a as as a guy in my situation, I didn't really understand the value and and the joy of having kids until I had it, and so I couldn't have ever put that in perspective in terms of the choice of career. You know, I think you're both saying exactly what I feel as well, which is that we really have to be who we are. We have to be true to ourselves, and we can't let these societal expectations of when we have to hit, you know, the milestones of having children guide what we end up doing. But I also think we need to realize that when we go into medicine. We are, in a way, paying a little bit of a heavier price. We, we've discussed, obviously, the, the psychological and you know time demands of medicine, but there are also physical demands, lack of sleep, poor diet, you know, lack of exercise. And for Suzanne and Hari, who you guys are in the cath lab, you're actually exposed to radiation on a daily basis. These are all factors we have to think about. We can't just turn a blind eye to and say they don't exist and you know I can do whatever I want and be whatever I want which I agree with, but I also think that pursuing a career in interventional cardiology does make the bar to have a family, both from a fertility perspective and also actually physical time with your kids, just a little bit more challenging. So I think it's a it's a nice way to be able to choose what you want, but you have to remember that making that choice can sometimes impact some of the other choices in your life a little bit more. Yeah, I think you know I have uh, some women friends who have uh, just gone through this and uh, and have been very happy with um, being single moms, going through the whole uh, freezing eggs, and finally one took. And uh, so I went and visited her maybe about six months ago, and she's really happy with her with her child. And it was wonderful to see someone who essentially you know was dating and really couldn't find that special someone, and so decided to uh, to go go all the way and be a physician uh, and and take and and be a mom at the same time. So I do think there's more and more people who are doing that. These kinds of um, different career paths and different life paths are becoming more normal in medicine now. You know, I really, I really want to say that I agree with that. Is is that you know, I, I think when I talk to a lot of my my um, female uh, colleagues who talk about it, they really do say that you know there isn't one path that's perfect or that has to be followed, and that it does take a village. And so you know, whether or not you are married or single or you got, you know, pregnant naturally or you went through IVF, you know, that there really is, you know, it, there, it takes a village to have the support to go through that. But all of these pathways are are absolutely possible and they're being done. And so I think that that's one of the things I've also taken away from this too, is, is that just because, you know, you haven't taken a traditional path um, doesn't, you know, or what you consider to be the traditional path doesn't mean that it can't still work out to being the right thing for you. I want to say that today I've enjoyed this conversation so much because I feel like we have, in a way, empowered women, not just in medicine, but across our community to speak up and share their infertility stories. We have empowered men to start, you know, thinking and playing a more active role in family planning earlier in their careers. And and I feel like by sharing our personal stories, we've really lifted the veil on this illusion that a life in medicine is is perfect. And because we're doctors and we cure disease, we can somehow, 
prevent ourselves from ever becoming patients. And and so, Suzanne, thank you so much for sharing your story. And thank you all for listening and for joining us today. Please write in with any comments and questions and share this podcast with your friends and family members so that they can join us as we all take a journey through the heart of medicine. This is Dr. Pyle Coley. Thank you. This podcast is sponsored by Asperion Therapeutics. Asperion Therapeutics, providing the next step in getting patients to their LDL cholesterol goal. Visit www.asperionscience.com to learn more.